Welcome to the Parkwood Podcast. Our mission is to help people find hope in the person of Jesus Christ and find home in this family. If this is your first time tuning in, we would love to get connected with you. You can text the word NEW to 833-202-2834 or visit parkwoodwindsor.com for more information. Now, let's take a moment to prepare our hearts as we get into today's message. Good morning. How are we doing? 11 o'clock. Good? Good. I didn't sleep well last night. But we have this thing. I don't know if you heard of it. It's called coffee. And uh, I'm about three deep right now. So I'm doing really well. I'm going to crash in about an hour and a half. But good morning to all of you. We're going to get right into it. If you have a Bible, open it up. Matthew chapter 6. If you're new, we are uh, moving through a sermon series right, right now called The Kingdom. It's a walk through Jesus' very famous Sermon on the Mount. And it's a great, great sermon that Jesus gave. And it's got this like overarching theme of the kingdom kind of woven throughout it. But there's so many different topics. And so as we gather week after week, it's like every week is its own fresh thing. And, and so that's going to be this morning. Jesus is going to move on. And he says this, Matthew 6 starting in verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy... Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord today. And if you were paying attention right there, uh, as Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount, today he's going to talk to us about our money. Uh, and, and even as I say that, there was just like a visceral reaction in the room, right? Like, like there's something about money that in the church world, it's like we can talk about anything. Anything's fair game except this. Like, like, it's just, this is one of those topics, right? It, it, it does something. And, it, and it's a little bit humorous because the whole idea of the Christian faith, right? It, like following Jesus is this idea that we die to ourselves so that Christ can live through us, right? Like that's, that's the big idea. And so we're okay with saying things like, like God, I'll surrender my life to you. God, I'll surrender my relationships to you. Lord, I'll even surrender my kids to you. Like, you can just have them back. Like, they're yours. You know, like, like we're good with surrender language, but then it's like God brings up our money and we just get weird. We just get weird. Like, it's like our bodies, like, clench up, like, nice and tight, right? Like, there's, there's something that just happens to us around this topic. Now, now if that's you, and you're like clenched right now. Uh, let me just say something right off the top uh, that's gonna kind of hopefully help you before I even pull anything apart in this text. And it's this, God does not want your money. God, I'll even say it this way, God does not need your money. 
Um, he doesn't. In the, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, they, they had this one line. It says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, uh, which is just a really Old Testament way of saying, yeah, God, he's loaded, okay? Um, he's doing all right, okay? He's got riches beyond anything that we can even begin to comprehend. God does not want your money. Really what he's after at the end of the day is your heart. It's your heart that he wants. It, which begs the question then, well, if that's true, if it's my heart that he wants, then why is he so oftentimes talking about our money? Well, there's a good answer to that. It's because how we view our money is usually the most accurate indicator of where your heart is. Like, I don't think there's any one thing that I would put on this level. Like, like where we spend our money, how we view our money, all of this, what it does, it actually shows where our real priorities lie. It shows what kingdom we really serve, and it shows what God we really trust in. So this morning, God incarnate through the person of Jesus Christ, he's going to talk about our, our dollar dollar bills, y'all. It's coming. It's coming, so buckle up. <laughs> because, like, I'm not kidding. This, oh, like, I preach for a living. I study for a living. And, like, it's rare that I find a text that just pummels me. This one, all week, as I've been sitting under the weight of this text, it's just, it's hard. Like, like what Jesus says here, uh, we all have to come face to face with this morning. But like, like I, I promise you, I promise you this, that as we pull this apart, I think it's important that we see God accurately today. Uh, his arms are not like folded up in heaven, looking down, being like, I messed it up again. Come on, you know, like, no, no, it's actually a completely different picture. What's happening here, it's a, it's a loving father, arms wide open, what Jesus is trying to do is not lay massive guilt trips this morning. He's trying to set people free. So with that in mind, let's go into our text and just we'll slow it down and just look at it. Again, going back into verse 19, he starts, he says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love this. Jesus just lays it down. And I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this. So I got piggy banks. <laughs> what Jesus says, he says, in this life right now, we have the option. Now keep in mind, this is all about like material wealth, actual money. Like we read the whole thing. And he, and he says, we can invest right now in this life in two different piggy banks. He said that the, the first one, we'll just call it the piggy bank of the world. The, the, the piggy bank of the world is um, apparently pink. <laughs> um, the piggy bank of the world is a me, 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 me type of, of living. That's what this is. It's, it's this idea that everything you do should be for yourself, right? Uh, after all, you only live once, right? So in the words of Jesus in his, drop one there. In the words of Jesus in his famous parable, like eat, drink, uh, be merry for tomorrow we die, right? Live it up now because this is all there is, right? And Jesus says, okay, you can do that. 
You can invest in the piggy bank of the world, or you can invest in the piggy bank of heaven. This, if, if the world's bank is all about you and your comfort and your desires being met, all that stuff, then, then the piggy bank of like the kingdom of heaven is radically different. Uh, the, 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 this is all about God. It's, remember we talked about in week one of this series, the kingdom is upside down, right? It's not about me. It's about God, you, your name, your glory. Uh, this is all about you. And now, so what does it look like? Well, quite honestly, just like the baseline of how we invest, store up our treasures in heaven, baseline is uh, giving to your local church. And I know someone's thinking, well, of course you'd say that, Danny. You're the pastor. It's like, yes, I am. However, there's a reason why I'm saying that. Like, we're not just making this up. Like, it is the baseline picture of New Testament giving. The baseline. But then on there, we also give uh, to the poor. We give to the needy. We give of our offering and our alms. We give to, in so many different ways. And Jesus says, all right, so this is your life here in the now. You choose. You, you, you choose what you want to do. But then he says, but also keep in mind that if you bank with this world, that any sort of thing can happen, right? Like, like vermin, moths, or a thief can break it. Should I do it? I don't know. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I have the best job in the world. I do. <laughs> Jesus says, see the picture. He says, it's your choice. Ooh. It's your choice. You can invest in the bank of the world. You can invest in earthly things. But there's this kind of promise associated with it that when you store up your treasures in earthly things, um, it will die out, okay? Your treasures are doomed, okay? That's the picture that Jesus gives. Or he says what you can do is you can actually store up in the kingdom of heaven. He's saying that there are things that we could actually do right now with the resources and the funds that God has given you right now, there are things that you can do that not only are going to bless you in this life, but are actually going to bless you in the life to come for all eternity. There is an investment that we can make that will stay with you for all time. Now we have to ask the question, okay, so if that's true, then why don't we do it more? Like, think about it. If it's true, what Jesus is saying here in this text, that we can actually do stuff right now in this life that can change our experience for the rest of eternity, then why don't we? Or, or, or why, why don't we do it more? And, and there's probably many different reasons why, but I'll just give you a big one. And it's this, because the devil is a liar and a tempter. He just is. Like you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? In the garden. Like God gave them everything in the garden, everything except one tree. And the devil comes in, right? And what does he tempt them with? The one thing that they do not have. 
In a garden full of yeses, the devil comes in and he tempts them with the one thing that they don't have. If you just eat this from there, then you'll be like God. Then you'll be all knowing. Then you'll be happy, fulfilled all the time. You will be like your creator. He comes in, he tempts them with just that one extra thing. And here we are, let's just be honest, here we are, how many years later, falling into the same trap over and over and over again? Forget about the church, forget about the kingdom, forget about uh, all these, these things, forget about storing up treasures in heaven. What we need to do is we just need to store up treasures on earth just one more time. And even though we know it's broken, we know it's busted, we know that it doesn't work, what this does at its best is it numbs you for a moment, but it never actually fills you. So it leaves us just wanting more and more and more. And, and so Jesus says, all right, yeah, so, so make your choice. He, he just lays it out. He says, you, you, you got to make your choice. It's either, it's either your love of money or it's the love of God. But I'm going to say this over and over in the sermon. You can't have both. Ah, but the temptation's there, isn't it? It's there. The, the devil, here's what I've learned about the devil or the demonic. Like this, they're really good at what they do. They're really good at what they do. I, I, I'm, turning, I'm turning 40 next year, next January. I have 11 months left of feeling young. And then you hit 40, and this is what I've just come to terms with. You're officially middle-aged when you turn 40. I hate to break it to you, but you are, right? So I've got 11 months left before entering into my middle-aged years. This is the way I see it. And my wife, you know, we're, we're, we started talking about, like, okay, so what can we do for my 40th birthday? Because it's a little bit of a special one. And so she said, I know what we can do. She said, why don't we go on a cruise? And I thought, oh, that's awesome. I, I've never been on a cruise before, you know? And so what I did, this is just a couple weeks ago, I, I started looking up cruises, you know? And, oh man, it was like a whole new world was opened up to me, right? All the different boats, all the different amenities, all the different locations. And then I had this thought rolling around in my head and I said, how am I almost 40 and I've never done this, you know? And, and then it was amazing, this like line of thinking in my head. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe not just for my 40th. Maybe I can do cruises just on all my birthdays. You know, maybe just every birthday I have until I die. I'm going to go on a cruise. This looks fun. And then I thought, well, hey, why am I just limiting this to birthdays? How about every vacation I take, I go on a cruise. You know, I'll just be one of those ocean guys. You know, just, just I'll, I'll work here. And then your thought pattern just goes crazy, right? I'm like, you know what? Forget, you know, I just need to be on a cruise all the time. You know, like, like I will, I need to leave the ministry. I, I'll become, I'll go to med school, become a doctor. I'll sell my kidneys on the black market if that's what it takes. But I need to be on this boat, right? And, 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 and like we laugh, but let's be real for a moment. <laughs> it's kind of come for all of us, right? Not just cruises, how about a bigger house? How about a faster car? <laughs> How about every single subscription 
that there is just so we can continue to numb ourselves over and over and over, right? Like, like it, it's, it's a really interesting thing. Now, now, to be very clear, let me just throw this out here as a caveat. There's nothing wrong with taking a cruise. There's nothing wrong with a nice house or a nice car or nice jeans or whatever that's, nothing. If you can afford those things and still afford to be generous at the same time, be blessed. But if you can not afford those things, and now you're thinking in your head of changing your entire life in order to get them, in order to have more trips, to go more places, to, to have all these things, friends, just in the words of Jesus, it says, you, what you're doing is you're storing up your treasure in all the wrong places. He says, you're this is you right here. This is what you're investing in. And the problem with this is that it doesn't last. It will die out. But let's be clear, the temptation comes for all of us because the devil is very good at what he does. So Jesus says, so instead, just make sure that you're investing in all the right stuff. He says, make sure that you're storing up treasure in eternal things because, because what you do now matters for eternity. All right, I'm going to give you like this one liner. If you're taking notes, you got to write this down because this is really big, what I'm about to say. We are saved by grace, but rewarded for works. We are saved by grace, but we are rewarded for works. Well, I'll tell you, one of the biggest misconceptions about heaven is that when we get there, everyone's going to have the same experience, right? We kind of think of it like, like communism, right? We're just like, everybody gets in and you're all given the same share. Everybody gets to experience the same thing. Friend, I'm telling you, that is not the New Testament picture of what's coming. What, what, what the Bible teaches is that there is a day coming when heaven and earth are going to collide and become one shared space. And on that day, uh, apparently says Jesus, even in this text, that not everybody's going to have the same amount of treasure. Not everybody is going to have the same experience. H hear me. We are saved by grace. Anybody want to say yes and amen to that? Okay. <laughs> Like, like when it comes to like how we get in, okay, we get in not because of what we've done, but only because of what Christ has done for us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. But once we're in, please don't ever make the mistake that it's like everyone's on like an equal playing field. No, 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 no. The Bible doesn't present that at all. Not in this text. I mean, Jesus will go on and tell and give entire parables just to point out this one truth, that what we do now, where we invest now, how we store up treasure, where we store up treasure now, actually matters for the rest of our eternity. And then without skipping a beat, Jesus goes on to say this in verse 22. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, this is really interesting. Je Jesus here is using a metaphor 
um, when he when he like when he talks here about our eyes, it's not just our physical eyes. He's he's rather he's talking about like the spiritual eyes of our hearts. You guys know that that old song we used to sing in the church? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to. It's a beautiful song. Apparently, our heart has eyes. <laughs> Jesus here is pulling on this exact thing. He's saying, man, like the eyes, they're always watching. The the, the spiritual eyes of, of the very core of who you are, like they never shut off. He says, and because of this, if the eyes of your heart are healthy, he says your entire being is going to be healthy. But if the eyes of your heart are corrupt, this is, this is the scary, the scariest thing that Jesus says here. He says, if the eyes of your heart are corrupt, he says, everything's corrupt. Everything. He, he says, how much darkness is there in you? You ever heard that saying, um, the heart wants what the heart wants, right? It's, it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of this belief that there's like these primal urges inside of us that are just wild and out of control. No one can tame the heart. That's garbage. Let me tell you, the heart doesn't want what the heart wants. The heart wants what you put in front of it all the time. You hear me? The heart wants what we put in front of it all the time. Why? Well, according to Jesus, it has eyes. It's like always window shopping. It's always looking at what we put in front of it. So, the lesson is be very careful what you put in front of it. If, 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 if God is first in your life, great. <laughs> he says, man, your entire body will be filled with light. But if it's not, if, if this is the bank we're investing in, he says, watch out. He says, your entire being will be filled with Darkness. Listen, if you don't put God first, if you don't, if, if we don't put his will first, his plans first, actually look to him first, I'll, I'll say it this way. You will always struggle with a message like this. Always. And even right now, you're telling yourself, some of you, you are telling yourself that this entire message is some big setup so that the church can get something from you so that the pastor can, can get a little bit more tithes and offerings. Like, like you're, 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 you're selling this a certain way, but I'm, I'm telling you, friend, what's happening is not that. What's happening is God himself is trying to set you free. But he lays it out. He's like, pick your side. Like, like choose your, 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 your side. He says, like, continually putting the world in front of our heart. Don't be surprised when that's what you want. Uh, John Piper says it this way, and this is just like a gut-wrenching quote, when he says, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. Hmm. Piper is saying, uh, when it comes to what distracts us, it's not always the big things. For some of you, it is, but for a lot of us, it's not, it's not the prostitutes or the heroin addiction. It's apple pie. 
It's, it's just a little bit more Netflix. It's, it's a little bit more scrolling Instagram. Ooh, I know, I just came really close to somebody's home right there. It's just a little bit more shopping. It's just a little, it's, 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 not, it's not poison, man, it's apple pie. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. If we continually put the world in front of our heart and the things of the world instead of God. Jesus says, don't be surprised when all you start craving is just more and more of the things of this world. How we doing? How we do? It's, it's quiet. Yeah, it's, it's quiet. Listen, if the spiritual eyes of your heart are corrupt, Jesus says everything is corrupt. And I think, honestly, that's what's so hard with a message like today. Because you know what I've learned about myself, or you know what I've learned just about humanity, is we like to minimize. When we see an issue in our lives, it's almost like this self-preservation technique that we have, right? It's like, it's like, well, it's not that bad. It's just one little thing. Okay, so, so, so what if, if my eyes are just a little blind? So, so, so what if, if, but God, look at all this other stuff I do for you. I serve, I'm a youth leader. What up, youth? Love you guys. You know, I, I serve, I, I do all this stuff. I show up early. I, I do this, I do this, I do this. So what if, if when it comes to the eyes of my heart, this is off? Look at all this other stuff. I must be okay. And God just says, no, no, you're not. He says, you may think that. But he says, if the eyes of your heart are messed up and you're in love with this world more than you're in love with God, he says, everything within you is off. Like, he, like th this is what's so frustrating about Jesus in this text. <laughs> because I wish he would have said, well, this is kind of important. You should somewhat pay attention to, to what you're doing with the world, but, but it's not what he says. He's, he says, listen, like, like you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Just, just look at how he finishes off his text here. In verse 24, he just says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's like Jesus just drew a line in the sand and said, all right, so choose. Pick your side. You can, you can love money, or you can love God, but he says you cannot love both. He says, you can, you can serve money or you can serve God, but, but you cannot serve both. I, I love the line. He says, no one can serve two masters. Now, again, let me be very clear. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having money. What's wrong is when your money has you. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at in this entire text, right? Remember, it's not, it's not just about your dollars. Like, 
He's after your heart here. And he says, like, listen, I can be your master or money can be your master. Either way, it's a call to being a slave. <laughs> he says, oh, this is a terrible master. This is a terrible master. I, I, I've heard it said uh, that money is either a tool in the hand of the generous or a god in the heart of the greedy. I'm going to say that again. Money is either a tool in the hand of the generous or a god in the heart of the greedy. Right now, your money, your wallet, your bank account, it's either a tool in your hand or a god in your heart. Like it just is. This is what Jesus lays before us this morning. And it doesn't matter whether you're on a fixed income or you make $50,000 a year or $5 million a year. Like your approach to your wallet determines whether it's a tool or a God. And so Jesus says, choose. Draws the line, it's clear as day. Choose. Like, like it, it's this wild thing, right? He lays it out. He says, this is doomed. This isn't. Choose. But do not make the mistake of thinking that you can have both. You can't. Choose. Whew. You know what I think is happening right now? I think there's some people out there that you're thinking, oh, how is, why of all Sundays was Bill not here? Sally really needed to hear this message. I saw her buy another pair of jeans this week, and, and Tommy, I saw he went on a trip, and they need to hear the friend, listen, they're not here. You are. Pay attention. You choose. You, not your neighbor, not your coworker. Not, not your boss, you choose. You cannot have it both ways. No one can serve two masters. No one, w worship team, come on, come on back. You know, there's always this, this part of our hearts and our minds and our thinking uh, that goes somewhat like this. All right, pastor, you got me. All right, you know I'm good for it. You know I'm gonna give one day. You know I'm gonna tithe one day. You know I'm gonna store up my treasure in heaven one day. Uh, but before I do, before I, I just need to take a little bit of time because I gotta get my, my money right first. I gotta get my life right first. I, gotta, I, I just gotta make a little bit more money, and then when I make a little bit more money, then I'll be positioned well to give. <laughs> Friend, if, if, if that's you, can I just ask the question, okay, so how much more do you need? How much more does God need to bless you with in order for you to obey him? How much more do you need before you'll trust him? Because this game that we play in our heads of like, I just need a little bit more. And if I got a little bit more, then I could do it, friend, with all due respect. No, you won't, because you still don't understand the issue. 
It's not about an amount. It's about your heart. That, that's what God is, is chasing after. As we tell ourselves, I just got to get my money right. I feel like God speaking and say, friend, I just want you to get your heart right. And if you get your heart right, oh, there's no telling what God can do through us. But if you don't get the heart right, everything else is off. Everything else is off. You know, I, there's this really popular story, and I'll, I'll close with this. Um, it's, it's the feeding of the 5,000. You know this story? It's one of the few Jesus stories that we have that actually makes it into all four Gospels. Like, it's wildly popular. We know the story, right? It says that there was 5,000 men that day. Uh, they didn't count the, the women and the children. Most scholars agree there could have been fifteen to 20,000 people that showed up this day for Jesus. Like, I'm talking huge. About 20 times bigger than this room right now. Massive crowd of people, massive crowd of people. And they, and, and they show up to Jesus and we know the story, right? Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us that, that at some point the disciples got out five loaves of bread and two fish and, and Jesus looked at it and he prayed over it and it just started multiplying. Like it was a wild miracle. 20,000 people are fed. And they have so much that it's like there's, there's leftovers and it's, it's awesome. And it's interesting. It's only in John's gospel does it tell us where the bread and the fish came from. And it says that the, the disciples didn't just stumble upon this. They didn't have it. It actually says that there was a little boy, <laughs> some obscure little boy that we do not know his name, we don't know his story, we don't know what came of him, but what we do know was that on this day, as they were assessing the mass crowd of people, that it was a little boy with his snack pack lunch that came up to Jesus and said, this is what I have, which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's like 20,000 people. He says, well, I don't know, I got five loaves and I got a couple fish. Would, would, would this help Jesus? And Jesus looks at his open hands and at his heart. And I have to imagine that it's in this moment that Jesus had a smile on his face and said, oh, I can work with this. And he takes the little boy's snack pack, <laughs> blesses it, and the little gift that the boy brought exploded for the glory of God. Exploded for the glory of God. See, sometimes I, I, I think we just tell ourselves, well, I gotta get this, and I gotta get this, and I gotta get this, and I gotta... It's not about an amount, friend. It's about your heart. And when your heart's right, you know what it does? When your heart's right, it opens up your hands. When your heart's wrong, we hold on to what we have. <laughs> like it's happening right now. <laughs> For some of you, this, this is you right now. You're a pastor. I hear you. You're not touching this. It happens. But when we get the heart right, man, it's amazing. It opens up our hands. <laughs> 
And then there's this thought that God, what's, what's, what's mine is ultimately yours. God, every blessing that I have in my life was a gift that came from you. And now, Lord, if you, if you just can take my, my loaves and my fish, if you can take the little gift that I have, I know, Lord, that you can do a miracle through it. You know, it's amazing what God can do when we get our heart right. It's amazing what God can do when we just loosen the grip on our stuff and we stop living for this world and we start living for the kingdom of heaven. We stand up all across this room. I told you the really good news today is that God is not up in heaven, arms folded, judgmental glances, guilt trips galore. No, no, no. No, like if you're feeling something today and it's like, whoa, I need to pay attention. That is the love of God in action. Friend, he's not here to just lay guilt upon you. He's here to set you free. This is what he wants. This is what he's after. And so church, as we, as we continue, as, as right now, before we end in this service, but, but before we end, here's, here's what we need. We need heart surgery. My dad, I'm gonna close with this. You know what's great about being a preacher? I can close multiple times. Years ago, my dad had a messed up heart. Um, he actually had to get a quintuple bypass surgery, which is, I, I think it's like the most they'll do before you need like just a heart transplant. <laughs> it's pretty extensive, but his heart was sick. And so he went to the doctor and they, they opened him up and they cut him open and, and they did the surgery that was needed. Like, listen, friend, if, if today this has just been one of those messages and it's like, whoa, God just came close to your home. You know what we need? Just like my dad, we just need surgery today. We need surgery. Now, here's the good news. Our God is a surgeon. He's the best surgeon. And he can actually get to the places of us that no earthly doctor can get. Like he does soul surgery. <laughs> he does like, like, like the actual inmost depths of our being surgery. Like this is what he is after. We're, we're going to sing this song right now. I just love the lyrics. So I run to the father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God has been speaking to you this morning. I don't know where you're investing. I don't know where you're storing up your treasure. But what I do know is that we serve a gracious God and he is the surgeon that we need this morning. If the eyes of your heart are craving all the wrong things, then in this moment, what we need to do is we need to recenter ourselves around Christ and Christ alone and let him be the one that does the work in us that we so desperately need.
So as we sing this, it's not a show. This is not a, a band at a concert. We are the church. We're like one big choir, one big family coming in together. And right now, as we sing out this song, let us just attune our heart to the Lord. Let us recenter ourselves in his presence and let's let God do surgery where we need it most. Thank you so much for tuning into today's sermon. If this message has been a blessing to you, please be sure to share this with a friend and leave us a review in the podcast app of your choice. For more information and to get connected with Parkwood, please visit parkwoodwindsor.com.